Chapter Five of Ruth Fielding of the Red Mill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonali Punja. Ruth Fielding of the Red Mill, or Jasper Parlow's Secret by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Five. The girl in the automobile. The men who had gone in with the unconscious boy and the stretcher hung about the doctor's door, which was some yards from the gateway. Everybody seemed to have forgotten the girl, a stranger in Cheslow, and for the first day of her life, away from kind and indulgent friends. It was only ten minutes' walk to the railroad station and ruth remembered that it was a straight road she arrived in the waiting-room safely enough sam curtis the station-master disguised her immediately and came out of his office with her bag well and what happened is that boy really hurt he asked he has a broken arm and his head is cut i do not know how seriously for dr davidson had not finished examining him when i i came away she replied bravely enough and hiding the fact that she had been overlooked they took him to the doctor's house did they asked sam yes sir said ruth but mr curtis has there been anybody here for me for you miss the station-master returned somewhat surprised it seemed yes sir anybody from red mill Curtis smote one fist into the other palm, exclaiming, You don't mean to say that you was what Jabe Potter was after? Mr. Jabez Potter, who keeps the Red Mill, is my uncle, Ruth observed with dignity. My goodness gracious me, miss! He was here long before your train was due. He's kind of short in his speech, miss, and he asked me if there was anything here for him and i told him no and he stumped out again without another word why i thought he was looking for an express package of fate never had an idea he was expecting a niece ruth still looked at him earnestly the man did not suspect by her appearance how hard a time she was having to keep the tears from overrunning those calm gray eyes and you expected to go out to the red mill to-night miss he continued they are country folk out there and they'd all be a bed before you get there even if you took a carriage i don't know that i have enough money to pay for carriage hire ruth said softly is there a place i can stop overnight in the village then i can walk out in the morning why there is a hotel but a young girl like you You'll excuse me, miss. You are young to be travelling alone. Perhaps I haven't money enough to pay for a lodging there, suggested Ruth. I have a dollar. It was given to me to spend as I liked on the way. But Miss True gave me such a big box of luncheon that I did not want anything. A dollar wouldn't go far at the brick hotel, murmured the station agent. He still stared at her, stroking his lean, shaven jaw. Finally, he burst out with, I tell you, we'll go home and see what my wife says. At the moment, 
the station began to jar with the thunder of a coming train and ruth could not make herself heard in reply to his proposal besides sam curtis hurried out on the platform nor was ruth ready to assert her independence and refuse any kind of help the station-master might offer so she sat down patiently and waited for him there were one or two passengers only to disembark from this train and they went away from the station without even coming into the waiting-room then curtis came back putting out the lights and locking his ticket office the baggage-room was already locked and ruth's old trunk was in it come on now girl what's your name asked curtis ruth fielding just so well it's only a step to our house and wife will have supper waiting and there's nobody else there save mercy ruth was a little curious about mercy whether it referred to abounding grace or was a person's name but she asked no questions as they came out of the railroad station and sam curtis locked the door they did not cross the tracks this time but went into the new part of the town turning a corner very soon as they walked up what curtis said was market street they reached on a narrow side street a little warm-looking cottage from almost all the lower windows of which the lamplight shone cheerfully there was a garden beside it with a big grape arbor arranged like a summer-house with rustic chairs and a table the light shining on each side porch revealed the arbor to ruth's quick eyes when they stepped upon this porch ruth heard a very shrill and not at all pleasant voice saying very rapidly and over and over again i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to it might have been a parrot or some other ill-natured talking bird only ruth saw nothing of the feathered conversationalist when sam opened the door and ushered her in here we are wife he exclaimed cheerfully and how's mercy the reiterated declaration had stopped instantly a comely kind-faced woman with snow-white hair came forward ruth saw that she was some years younger than curtis and he was not yet forty it was not father time that had powdered miss curtis's head so thickly mercy is why who's this she asked espying ruth one of the girls coming to see her instantly the same whining shrill voice began i don't want her to see me they come to stare at me i hate them all all girls do is run and jump and play tag and ring around the rosy and run errands and dance i hate them this was said very very fast and almost chattered and it sounded so ill-natured so impatient so altogether mean and hateful that ruth fell back a step almost afraid to enter the pleasant room but then she saw the white-haired lady's face and it was so grieved yet looked such a warm welcome to her that she took heart and stepped farther in so that sam curtis could shut the door the father appeared to pay no attention to the fault-finding shrill declamation of the unhappy voice he said in explanation to his wife this is ruth fielding she has come a long way by train to-day expecting to meet her uncle old jabe porter of the red mill and you know how funny jabe is wife 
he came before the train and did not wait but drove right away with his mules and so there was nobody here to meet ruthie she is marooned here till the morning you see then she shall stay with us to-night declared mrs curtis quickly i don't want her to stay here to-night ejaculated the same shrill voice mr and mrs curtis paid no attention to what was said by this mysterious party ruth coming farther into the room found that it was large and pleasant there was a comfortable look about it all the supper table was set and the door was open into the warm kitchen from which delicious odours of tea and toast with some warm dish of meat were wafted in but the shrill and complaining voice had come from the next room in the other corner beside the stove yet not too near it stood a small canopy bed with pretty chintz curtains drawn all about it beside it stood a wheelchair such as ruth knew was used by invalids who could not walk it was a tiny chair too and it and the small bed went together but of the occupant of either she saw no sign supper will be ready just as soon as our guest has a chance to remove the traces of travel sam said mrs curtis briskly come with me ruth when they entered the pleasant little bedchamber which the good-hearted lady told ruth was to be her own for that night they heard voices in the sitting-room the voice of mr curtis and the querulous one but it was not so sharp and strained as it seemed before however on opening the door mr curtis was revealed sitting alone and there was no sign of the owner of the sharp voice which ruth supposed must belong to the invalid mercy has had supper hasn't she wife said the station-master as he drew his chair to the table and motioned ruth to the extra place mrs curtis had set the woman nodded and went briskly about putting the supper on the table while they ate mr curtis told about reno stopping the train and of the search for and recovery of the injured cameron boy all the time ruth who sat sideways to the canopied bed realized that the curtains at the foot were drawn apart just a crack and that two very bright pinpoint eyes were watching her so interested did these eyes become as the story progressed and ruth answered questions that more of mercy curtis's face was revealed a sharp worn little face with a peaked chin and pale thin cheeks ruth was very tired when supper was ended and the kind mrs curtis suggested that she go to bed and obtain a good night's rest if she was to walk to the red mill in the morning but even when she bade her entertainers good night she did not see the child in the canopy bed and she felt diffident about asking mrs curtis about her the young traveller slept soundly almost from the moment her head touched the pillow yet her last thought was of uncle jabez he had been in town some time before the train on which she arrived was due and had driven away from the station with his mules mr curtis had said had he driven over that dark and dangerous road on which tom cameron met with his accident and had he run down the injured boy or forced him over the bank of the deep gully where they had found tom lying unconscious it was jabe water he did it the injured lad had murmured 
and these words were woven in the pattern of Ruth's dreams all night. The little cottage was astir early, and Ruth was no laggard. She came down to breakfast while the sun was just peeping above the housetops, and as she entered the sitting-room, she found an occupant at last in the little wheelchair. It was the sharp, pale little face that confronted her about the warm wrapper and the rug that covered the lower part of the child's body. For child, Mercy Curtis was, and little older than Ruth herself, although her face seemed so old. To Ruth's surprise, the first greeting of the invalid was a most ill-natured one. She made a very unpleasant face at the visitor, ran out her tongue, and then said in a shrill, discordant voice, I don't like you at all. I tell you that, miss. I'm sorry you don't like me, replied Ruth gently. I think I should like you if you'd let me. Yeah, ejaculated the very unpleasant, but much to be pitied invalid. The mother and the father ignored all this ill-nature on the part of the lame girl, and were as kind and friendly with the visitor as they had been on the previous evening. Once, during breakfast time, Mercy took hers from a tray that was fastened to a chair before her. The child burst out again, speaking to Ruth. There were eggs on the table, and pointing to the golden-brown fried egg that Mrs. Curtis had just placed upon Ruth's place, Mercy snapped. Do you know what the worst wish had wish on my enemy? Ruth looked her astonishment and hesitated to reply, but Mercy did not expect a reply, for she continued quickly, I wish my enemy to have to eat every morning for breakfast two soft fried eggs with his best clothes on. That's what I'd wish. And this is every word she would say to the visitor while Ruth remained. But Mr. Curtis bade Ruth goodbye very kindly when he hurried away to the station. And Mrs. Curtis urged her to come and see them whenever she came to town after getting settled at the Red Mill. It was a fresh and lovely morning, although to the weather-wise, the haze in the west foredoomed the end of the day to disaster. Ruth felt more cheerful as she crossed the railroad tracks and struck into the same street she had followed with the searching party the evening before. She could not mistake Dr. Davidson's house when she passed it, and there was a fine big automobile standing before the gate where the two green lanterns were. But there was nobody in the car, nor did she see anybody about the doctor's house. Beyond the doctor's abode, the houses were far apart, farther and farther apart as she trudged on. Nobody noticed or spoke to the girl as she went on with her small bag, the bag that grew heavy despite its smallness as she progressed. And so she travelled two miles or more along the pleasant road. Then she heard the purring of an automobile behind her, the first vehicle she had seen since leaving town. It was the big grey car that had been standing before Dr. Davidson's house when she had passed, and Ruth would have known the girl who sat at the steering wheel and was driving the car alone, even had Reno, the big master, not sat in great dignity on the seat beside her, for no girl could look so much like Tom Cameron without being Tom Cameron's sister. And the girl, the moment she saw Ruth on the road, 
retarded the speed of the machine. Reno, too, lost all semblance of dignity and would not wait for the car to completely stop before bounding into the road and coming to caress her hand. I know who you are, cried the girl in the automobile. You are Ruth Fielding. She was a brilliant, black-eyed, vivacious girl, perhaps a year or more older than Ruth, and really handsome, having her brother's olive complexion with plenty of colour in cheeks and lips. And that her nature was impulsive and frank, there could be no doubt, for she immediately leaped out of the automobile when it had stopped and ran to embrace Ruth. Thank you, thank you, she cried. Dr. Davidson has told us all about you. And how brave you are. And see how fond Reno is of you. He knows who found his master, don't you, Reno? Oh, dear me, said Ruth breathlessly. Dr. Davidson has been too kind. I did nothing at all toward finding your brother. I suppose he is your brother, miss. How dare you miss me? demanded the other girl, hugging her again. You are a dear. I knew you must be. And I was running back and intended to stop at the Red Mill to see you. I took father to town this morning, and he had to take an early train to the city, and we wished to see Tom again. He... he isn't badly hurt, then. Your brother, I mean, said Ruth timidly. He's going to stay at the doctor's today, and then he can come home. But he will carry his arm in a sling for a while, although no bone was broken after all. His head is badly cut, but his hair will hide that. Poor Tom, he's always falling down or getting bumped or something. And he's just as reckless as he can be. Father says he's not to be trusted with car as much as I am. How, how did he come to fall over that bank? asked Ruth anxiously. Why, it was dark, I suppose. That was the way of it. I don't know, as he really told me what made him do such a foolish thing. And wasn't it lucky Reno was along with him? cried Tom's sister. Now I see you remained in town overnight. They thought somebody had come for yawn and taken you out to the mill. Is Jabez Potter really your uncle? Yes, he was my mother's uncle, and I have no other relative. Well, dear, I'm more than sorry for you, declared the girl from the automobile. And now we will climb right in and I will take you along to the mill. But whether she was sorry for Ruth Fielding's friendlessness, or sorry because she was related to Jabez Potter, the young traveller could not decide. End of chapter 5